So, Joe, you would consider yourself like like a hip hop head, right? A rap connoisseur, maybe even. Yeah. Let me play this song for you that I stumbled across on Twitter the other day, and I just want to get sort of your feedback and your your initial thoughts. So, tell me what you think about this. Jonathan Taylor, it's tailor made for this offense. Did we forget how Rivers always checks? Sit down to his backs. You worried about Mac? Yo, you've been asleep. <laughs> You liking what you hear in there? Like, let me break it down for you. Maybe you didn't quite like peep the knowledge that my guy was trying to give you. He said that Jonathan Taylor was tailor made. That's a wordplay right there. That's a double entendre. He's saying that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is tailor like, you know, like a suit tailor, like a perfect fit for this Colts offense. Did yeah. you even pick up on that? <laughs> I didn't pick up on it. No, it's that is next level stuff that we're hearing right here. I, I want to shout this young man out uh, on Twitter. You can follow him at I am FF rapper. He's got a couple of uh, dope tracks out there. Um, just sort of breaking down some fantasy plays from a perspective of, you know, hip hop. And I don't know if that's ever been done before. He's kind of like a revolutionary. Let's play the rest of this track. Did we forget how Rivers always checks? Sit down to his backs. You worried about Mac? Yo, you've been asleep. Cause nowadays everyone's in a committee. What if Mac goes down like he does every year? Now that's a three down back with an elite O line. You're looking at a lead when if you don't see it, you're blind. Let's go. My guy has bars. <laughs> no cap. If you don't see that he has elite RB1 upside, you're blind. <laughs> I mean, great rap. Maybe he can come on the pod and, you know, rap about Darius Slayton one day. How about that? That is quite honestly like my only goal for the rest of the duration of this podcast is to get him on here and give us a Godius bar or two. Um, phenomenal stuff. Absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> oh, God. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 77 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hoffer, joined, as I always am, by Joey Carrion. And before we get in to today's show, Joey, it's time for us to make an exciting announcement. Drum roll, please. The DFS Dose website is officially here Yes, just what the entire world has been holding its breath for, another fantasy sports site. Joey, why don't you tell the people a little bit about our website? Yeah, so we recently published the DFSDose.com. So if you're listening to this, you know, you just go ahead on your Safari or on your web browser and go look at it. So I guess it's just another place for us to put all of our content that we're going to be making for the upcoming NFL season which will include Ben's rankings, cash breakdowns from Ben every single week about DraftKings. I'll do GPP slash MillieMaker breakdowns every single week. Our YouTube videos, which will obviously be free. Our pod bets that we have, like one that Ben and myself have right now, is the Patriots under 10 wins. So we're going to have a history of all those. 
as well as the bets that we like for each week of the NFL season. We also have a shop if anybody's interested in supporting us by buying a shirt. So those will be available soon. I think we're going to sell them for $19.99. We have mediums, larges, and extra larges. So you can go ahead and just look on the shop and and see the design of the shirt. And other than that, I mean, yeah, just a a nice website to have everything in in one central location. How do you, how do you, how are you liking it so far? I mean, I'm loving the design of it. It looks crisp, looks clean. You know, we've been building this brand and this podcast up for almost three years now, maybe even three years considering it's July now. So, um, you know, just as we're entering our third year, we wanted to sort of level up a bit. You know, Twitter is a great place. YouTube is good to get the content out, but it's just nice to have it in a centralized spot. And last year is really when I started thinking that this was a great idea because I did you know, these cash breakdowns and Joey was doing his GPP breakdowns every single week. And, you know, we were doing them on, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, which we'll do again this year. But, you know, when it comes down to it, so much information changes that it'll be good to have a place for people to go and see, you know, not just our thoughts at the beginning of the week when we record a podcast or record a video, but see how our thoughts change throughout the week. And as the information available to us sort of evolves as DFS players, because adapting to that information late week and, you know, Sunday morning is extremely important. We didn't really have a place to like post all that stuff. So now we do, you know, that'll be good. Shirts are dope. Absolutely love them. You know, we got them from a local place where we live in Rochester, you know, support local business. Get a couple of these shirts, man. They're looking fly. I I would definitely suggest that. Like Joey said, my rankings will be up tomorrow, actually, by the time... This podcast is live and you guys will be able to check that out. We'll probably have some other articles intermittent as well uh, in the coming months, potentially delving into some other sports as well. You know, we'll talk about that as it becomes available and as sports become available once again in this country. Is there really anything else that we need to talk about uh in regards to the website no i think we just covered pretty much about everything like you said it's just a centralized location to have all of our stuff and like ben mentioned with you know the information that comes out during the week we're going to be publishing updated articles which you can find on the website you'll be able to find them on the website and see our updated rankings for the specific week that you're playing on DraftKings. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much it. And I think the website can be something uh, special. So, I sure hope so. www.thedfsdose.com Besides going to the website, Joey, how are some other ways that the good people out there can support the podcast? Yep. As always, you can support the DFS Dose by subscribing or following us on every major podcast platform, which includes... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podcast Addict if you are on Androids. If you would like, you could leave a rating and a review in five stars only. Then you could also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Dose to keep up to date with the latest news, clips, and takes from Ben and myself. Absolutely. And now you can buy these shirts. So please do. All right. So in the theme of this website announcement, the first sort of article, if you will, that is up there is my positional rankings for the 2020 season. Specifically, I would say they're my best ball rankings, although there's very little difference, I guess, for me personally, in terms of the way I draft. I mean, maybe in the later rounds there are, but you know, best ball is all about targeting upside. And I tend to do that in regular redraft as well. So I wouldn't say that 
these rankings are limited exclusively to best ball, even though that is sort of the main focus of them and the main way that I use them. These are the exact rankings that I use in drafters leagues. Um, you know, of course, when drafting as many leagues as I do, sometimes I'll, you know, go off the board for my rankings to deal with things like ownership and not being like a hundred percent on somebody that I'm way higher than the community on. But for the most part, you know, these are the exact rankings that I personally use in drafters best ball leagues and drafters tournaments, which by the way, following up on the episode we did last week discussing drafters best ball tournament, that tournament is already filled, filled and finished. So they finished that in basically less than two weeks. And now there is another tournament up there, still $5.50 entry, 10K to first. So these rankings are particularly useful, I think, if you're going to be trying to take down the second iteration of the Drafters Best Ball Tournament. What we're going to be talking about today is Joey's biggest issues, if you will, with my rankings. Uh, We're going to get into that right now. So Joey, what do you have to say about these rankings? Yeah, I will say full transparency. I I agree with about 97% of these rankings. Mm. Um, So, you know, if you're listening to this, go look at the rankings on the website. They're pretty good. You could use them for your drafts. I, I definitely agree with most of them, but there are some players in some specific spots that I don't agree with. And if you follow me on Twitter, you would know I kind of don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to be a valuable fantasy asset this year mm-hmm. in terms of his ADP. That that's important because he'll you know he'll be a solid fantasy asset, but not as an RB one. And on these rankings, Benjamin, you have him ranked as your running back twelve. I do. Uh, I do not agree with having him in that running back one tier. I think there is just a solid possibility that Damian Williams, who is projected to be the starter right now, siphons too much work from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for him to finish as an RB1 this year. He does have receiving upside, and they are in the best offense in the NFL. But if he's going to be on the field 45, 50% of the snaps, I just don't think there's enough volume there for him to finish as an RB1. And I will say, I did a draft last night in the new drafters tournament that you just discussed, and he went at pick 15. And these are 12-man leagues now, not 10-man like the previous tournament. So 12-man leagues, he went as the RB12 at pick 15, and I was just dumbfounded. <laughs> Thoughts? I just don't know what is not to like about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He has elite college production, at least one season of it. He has receiving talent, which is extremely important in full PPR. He has draft capital, first round draft capital with a head coach that doesn't burn first round picks on running backs traditionally. And he gets to be the running back who's on the receiving end of throws from the half a billion dollar man, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, as long as he is on the Chiefs, I think is a threat to reset the touchdown record every single year, as long as he and Andy Reid are with the Chiefs, which guess what? It's going to be for a long time. So when they brought Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in, this isn't a situation like the Titans drafting Derrick Henry behind DeMarco Murray. I like Damian Williams as much as the next guy. Damian Williams should be a lot more worried about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire siphoning his touches than the other way around. I don't see it as Damian Williams being a huge 
you know, inhibitor to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire securing a solid role in the best possible landing spot for a rookie to come into. I think that Damian Williams is going to have to fight to maintain whatever sort of role he has, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is coming in and taking this job. It won't be more than three or four weeks before Edwards-Hilaire is out-snapping Damian Williams on a weekly basis. See, that's all speculation, though. That is pure speculation, and I am not drafting him on a hope. Mm. As an RB1, I want my guy, my pride and joy, as my running back one off the board. I want him at a solid 18 to 22 touches per game. There is no shot. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire averages more than, I would say, 16 touches a game being in a in a part of a committee on the Chiefs. Absolutely no shot. I'll put that out there right now. The thing about that is that there are like six or seven running backs who aren't part of a committee. Guys who I have ranked above Edwards-Hilaire are, are in committees. Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, potentially. If, you, no, if you're an Al- Alexander no. Madison fan, even though that may be a bit of a stretch, the guys below him, Josh Jacobs, like, yeah, Josh Jacobs is going to have more carries than Edwards Hilaire, but he's going to have, what, 10 catches all season when there's three other running backs siphoning off all of his receiving work? Chris Carson, like, Melvin Gordon's going to split time. For me, it's about upside. Like, is there a median projection where Clyde Edwards Hilaire finishes below some of these guys? Absolutely. His touch projection may not be as solid as some of these guys. But scoring upside, receiving upside, and just the upside in general of him is why I have him ranked here. And I'm willing to take a shot on a guy who I think could be one of those players that really separates you on a week-to-week basis. You know, if he even has sort of like the Alvin Kamara role from a few years ago and Damian Williams is the Mark Ingram of that situation, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, I mean, I think he has upside, but I'm not projecting him to get, you know, 70 catches this year and you brought up like yeah he's getting throws from Patrick Mahomes but any quarterback can dump it off five yards to the sideline any quarterback can do that so I'm not really taking that into account that's not what we're talking about though we're talking about the elite burst that Edwards Hilaire cutting off those you wheel mean, routes and then just snagging those things 15 yards down oh, the field you mean the routes you mean the routes that Damian Williams can run as well and you're talking about the guy who tested worse than Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, tested worse than all those guys at the Combine. Not nearly as athletically gifted as any of those guys. And he was the first running back off the board because he had one decent receiving season at LSU in the most historic college offense of all time. Come on, Most bro. historic college offense of all time is still a downgrade from the Chiefs offense in the NFL. And he had 53 catches. Yeah. Come but, on, bro. I mean, you said, you said 70 catches. I mean, that's only four and a half catches per game. Like, I think that's very reasonable. Four and a half receptions. Like, that's not like a crazy workload. And if he lock boxes into 12, 14 touchdowns because he's in such an amazing offense, I could see it. I could see it. Okay, yeah. And I mean, you want to talk about athleticism. I, like, Dalvin Cook is your pride and joy, and he's one of the worst athletes at the running back position in the NFL. So, I don't know about that. I think it's all situation and volume. But he is a better running back than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire when it comes down to it. When it comes down to the nitty-gritty, mm. I'm taking Dalvin Cook over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire all day, every day. Mm. I mean, that's that's a fair that's point. Just a that's fact. a fair point. That's just a fact. I mean... We know we can agree to disagree on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I just don't think he has 
running back one in in his uh potential ceiling for this year. That's just me personally. And so I will not have any shares of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire if he's going in the early second round in these uh, best ball championship drafts. No shot. I did notice that you tweeted something pretty egregious in saying that you think Cam Akers is going to have a better season than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Do you, do you want to speak to that point? That terrible, terrible point? Yeah, I mean, Cam Akers is a better running back. Oh, interesting. And Is he? And uh, he is. Look at the tape. Better running back. Coming out of Florida State with one of the worst offensive lines. At least he's got that put elite up. Rams offensive line. The thing is, is he can put up production with a bad offensive line. And he's still under the wing of one of the best offensive minds in the NFL with Sean McVay. In a solid Rams offense where the GM said he is the go-to guy. Meanwhile, we have the Chiefs GM saying that Damian Williams is still the starter, and they're expecting him to break out this year. So, I mean, unless the GMs are lying to us, you know, maybe I'm wrong. But Cam Akers, he'll finish with more points than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in 2020. Can we lock that down as our second pod bet? Lock it down. Lock it down. You can keep track of all of our pod bets on the DFSDose.com. Let's move on to our next guy because we just spent like 15 minutes talking about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. What What's another player... Uh, that that you think I have ranked incorrectly. Yeah, so talking about another running back, and we discussed him on a previous episode saying, like, you know, how we weren't too high on him, but that was like a month ago, and I'm starting to come around to this player. Mm -hmm. Leonard Fournette. In your rankings, you have him as your running back 22, which is very, very low. He has running back one upside, I do. Do I think he finishes as an RB1? I'm not, I'm not sure. Would 95% certainty say that he will not finish outside of as a top 20 running back this year? Now, you're going to ask why. Why do I think that? I think that he will not finish outside of the top 20 for the sole reason that he is still the workhorse in Jacksonville. He's going to get 300 touches. He was one of nine running backs to get 300 touches last year. He had 70 receptions last year. That will not happen again. I will put that on record. That will not happen again. But I would still project for him to get about 30, 40 catches and probably a couple more rush attempts than what he had last year. He had 265. He also missed a couple games. Uh, so, I mean, I could project for him to have around 280, 290 rushing attempts. So he'll still be over 300 touches total. And that's just so much volume for a running back that he won't finish outside of the top 20. And that's with positive touchdown regression coming. He had three touchdowns on about 340 touches last year. That is due to regress positively. So I think Leonard Fournette at 22 in your rankings is is just way too low for the workhorse role that he's in in Jacksonville. That's fair. Workhorse role? I don't know. I think that his role is evolving more and more into just simply being a two-down role. Like you said, those 70 catches, they're coming down. You said 30, 35 maybe, cut in half. That seems reasonable to me with the signing of Chris Thompson, whose exclusive purpose on this team is going to be to catch passes out of the backfield no worries about uh, Ryquel Armstead for you? Okay. We're not talking about Ryquel Armstead or Chris Thompson on this podcast. Both bums. Mm-hmm. Chris Thompson is a good pass-catching running back, but he's made of glass. 
wouldn't be surprised if he gets hurt in the second game of the season. Leonard Fournette is still the workhorse in Jacksonville, no matter how you cut it. Just because they signed Chris Thompson doesn't mean his they're moving away from his workhorse role. They drafted him as a top four running back to be the workhorse in Jacksonville. Which... Just that simple. Was a terrible pick at the time. and has Well, proven- yeah, it was obviously a terrible pick. I'm never drafting a running back in the top five, top ten, top twenty. I'm not doing that. But, I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a terrible organization, so I could see why they did it. But he's still their workhorse running back. Like, and if they have him, they're going to run him into the ground unless they trade him. That's just a smart thing to do. Get as much volume as you can out of him before he turns to the absolute dust. You know, he might be on his way there already, but... You know, if he's still got some stuff left in the tank, 25-year-old running back going into his fourth year, has only played two full seasons, give me give me that. If he's fallen to the fifth round in best ball drafts, I'll draft him every single time. That's just great value for, for the touch upside that he has. I, I hear you. I mean, he is definitely, in my rankings even, I think below some guys with lesser touch projections. You know, James Conner. Devin Singletary, Jonathan Taylor, I think will have less touches than him. But I just think that a point that you and I agree on, at least from previous podcast discussions, is that the Jags are, you know, a favorite to be the worst offense in the NFL, or at least bottom five. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of touchdowns to go around for Leonard Fournette. And even if there were, there's probably not a running back in the NFL that I trust less inside the five yard line to actually convert <laughs> that into score. So Leonard Fournette, you know, the the poster child for getting stuffed at the one yard line. No, thank you. I think that we saw the absolute ceiling for volume from him last year. And while I do definitely agree with the point about touchdown regression, I also think that the volume's coming down. So that's probably going to balance out. And this is a team that I expect to be passing the ball a lot. Like I'm coming around more so to guys like, you know, Minshew and Chark and LaVishka Chenault than I am Leonard Fournette because this team is going to be getting blown out on the regular basis and, and passing the ball to try and catch up. So I'm out on Lenny Fournette at this price. I mean, in the drafters, you know, tournaments, he his ADP is running back 14. So I'm never getting him at at running back 22, and, and I'm okay with that. But I guess this is another situation where we'll agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. How about the next guy uh, that you want to discuss here? All right. So now this is now this is an argument. <sighs> Rob Gronkowski mm-hmm. as your tight end twenty below guys like Ian Thomas, Jared Cook, Jonu Smith, Noah Fant, Eric Ebron, and Dallas Goddard. You know, that's just a disrespectful <laughs> ranking. Absolutely disrespectful imagine putting the best tight end of all time as the 20th tight end in your ranking unfathomable mm. absolutely well joey don't <laughs> what what no what well, what you said you said something that stuck with me um you know before we started recording and that was that you know we don't we don't judge you know, future expectations on past results. And that's kind of what I'm looking at. You know, I'm not going to shade Rob Gronkowski and what he's done and his status as the greatest tight end of all time. Sure, that's all fine. But at this point, we're talking about a player who is switching teams, who is no longer the focal point of his offense, the way he was when he was in New England. When he was in New England, he was the clear-cut best pass catcher on the team. Now, He's a year removed from playing football. He's nine years removed from playing a full healthy season. 
and he is squarely at best at absolute best the third best pass catcher on this team behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin you could make a case I think that at this point OJ Howard is is a better tight end I get it at least he has the same quarterback so he doesn't have to really learn you know it's not like he has to form a connection with somebody new but yeah coming off of back injury after back injury after just injury on injury on injury and a retirement for one year and frankly much harder competition for targets that is a full full fade yes but he is your tight end 20 if he plays 60 to 70 percent of snaps with tom brady in tampa bay one of the best pass catching and quarterback duos of all time come on bro and you're looking at the year off as a negative i'm looking at it as a positive He took the year off to get healthy, get his mind right, get his body right, recoup from all of the, you know, the injuries that the NFL had had to offer him over the last nine seasons that he played. I'm just willing to bet on his talent as a Hall of Fame tight end. It's just that simple. He's only, what, 30 years old, 31 years old. So, I mean, he's not an old man by any means. Like, I still think he has something left in the tank. And I still, and I think that he thinks that. Or else he wouldn't have came out of retirement to go play with Tom Brady, right? Mm. Like, he, like he's got to know that he has something left in the tank. He has something to offer. Even if he's used as a part-time player, where are those targets going to go? The targets to Rob Gronkowski are going to be in the red zone. The most important part of the field. Tom Brady's safety blanket. Mm. All it takes is seven seam routes to the end zone. Gronkowski catches it. Touchdowns. If Gronk scores eight touchdowns this year, he's finishing higher than tight end 20. Half the guys above him won't even touch five touchdowns in your rankings. I mean... Just terrible, 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 terrible ranking. Uh, You need to put some more respect on the GOAT. On the GOAT tight end. No debate. If you removed the extensive, you know, overwhelming amount of Patriots bias that you hold in your heart, can you tell me that Rob Gronkowski (laughs) still looked like the GOAT tight end to close his time in New England? I'm not arguing his GOAT status overall, but he wasn't the best tight end in the league the last time that he played. He wasn't better than Travis Kelsey in 2018, or George Kittle for that matter. Yeah, he wasn't. He was not. But that was also a product of his injuries, and the fact that the Patriots' offense had changed at that point. The Patriots were a running team with Sonny Michelle in the the playoffs where they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. They weren't airing it out. You know, they weren't having Rob Gronkowski run a route on every single pass route. He was blocking, or the offensive line needed help. He was in there as a pass blocker, as a run blocker. You know, maybe, maybe he's a little washed up, but I think the year off helped him more than it hurt him. And if he can come back and be Tom Brady's safety blanket, and he, you know he already has the best chemistry with Tom Brady out of any pass catcher in Tampa Bay, I think there's no way he finishes as low as the tight end 20, especially with some of the guys that you have above him that I named. I guess my expectation for him is you know 50 catches, 50, 60 catches. He'll sit around eight to 10 touchdowns because he's going to be you know one of their best red zone threats especially with Brady. So uh, so I think he finishes closer to like the 13 range. I think he could push tight end one status just with the uncertainty that surrounds some of the guys above him. And 
I mean, you're not going to get him in drafts as the tight end 20. Like, that's just not going to happen. Oh, he's going but as a tight he... end one. He's like the tight end 12 yes. ADP, which I think is the yes. bigger problem, more so than okay. whether he's 20 or 15. Like, if he was up to 15, so so be it. But, like, you just can't take a 31-year-old running back switching teams with injury concern and an intense battle for a market share of targets in that offense over guys who have the potential to break out, you know, young athletic tight ends like Gasicki or Hawkinson or Fan, Henry, like, no, no shot. Hey, but Gronk is their daddies. That's the thing that you're missing. <laughs> he, he lived and died so they could live. Mm. Okay. He took the sacrifice so that these tight ends could shine. And now he's coming back to reclaim his throne. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes as a top three tight end. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. Um, wow. That's that's all I've got to say. I, I don't know if I... Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like he should be, frankly, moved down a few spots. Like, is he going to finish ahead of Irv Smith Jr., Joey? Or Josh Oliver? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, God. But we can move on to the fourth guy this on your is... list here. Yeah, so the fourth guy for me that I think is too low, but I wouldn't put him way higher, is Brashard Perryman on your list. So you have him as your wide receiver, 60, you know, right at the end of wide receiver, 5 territory. And, you know, I think it's because you have, like, this personal infatuation Mm -hmm. with Denzel Mims, Mm -hmm. who is below Perryman on the depth chart as it stands right now. You know, they went out, snagged Perryman in free agency, and he comes in and he is their wide receiver one. I think he will severely outperform his ADP this year as long as he stays healthy. And him and Jamison Crowder is a solid one-two punch. And I do like Denzel Mims as a wide receiver three. I think he'll shine in the offense as well. But I think Perryman... He was the second best wide receiver against man coverage, according to PFF. I know you saw that picture. I did. So, you know, I'm willing to take a shot on Perryman this year. I just think he is a little too low. Now, I don't know how much higher I would rank him on your list because I do like the guys above him. But I think I'd rank him, you know, above Elshon Jeffrey, who shouldn't even be on this list. I'd rank him above guys like Golden Tate. Um, even Henry Ruggs, which may be surprising, but I mean, that's just me personally, but other than that, that, that's, that's my Perryman, uh, take. So, um, how do you feel? Let me tell you a little something about, about Brashad Perryman. He's a complete scrub. All right. That's cat. He has bounced between three different rosters in four years. He's never had over 36 receptions in an NFL season in four years Denzel Mims is going to blow away his career numbers. Denzel Mims is going to have better numbers as a rookie than Brashad Perryman showed in any of his first four Wait, years. Can I can I just stop you right there? Sure. What did you say about 10 minutes ago? What? Past results do not indicate future success. I mean, we're talking about okay. a four-year sample size, though. We cannot use his career as a measure to what he will do this year. We just can't. Okay. We have to look at the upside that he has this season as the wide receiver one of the New York Jets. I think the bigger issue here, Joey, is that you 
seem to <laughs> value even like mid-range production from veterans more than unproven production from rookies with much much more upside denzel mims upside is much higher than brashad perryman's i so you want to say that he's higher on the depth chart than him right now when no teams have even met for training camp yet sure that's fine his his veteran status in the nfl grants him that but when the coaches on an nfl team see denzel mims out there shredding corners in practice and, and brashad perryman is doing what he's done for his entire career, which is be completely average, there's no shot that Sam Darnold's going to be looking to Perryman more than he's going to be looking towards Denzel Mims. I hate to burst your bubble, but Denzel Mims and Brashad Perryman are essentially the same player. So, Not even close. There's that. Not even close. Denzel Mims' player profiler comparison is Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, who it took an injury for both him and Mike Evans for Brashad Perryman to even flash production for the first time in his NFL career at the hands of Jameis Winston in one of the craziest offenses we've seen to date where he's just absolutely slinging it downfield. Sam Darnold's not going to be slinging it like that. And Mike Evans and and Chris Godwin aren't going to get hurt for him to clear the way. He's going to have to make his name off his own merit. And when he's got Chris Godwin number two waiting in the tuck to steal his targets, it's not happening. Yeah, I mean, Brashard Perryman, 6'2", 209. Denzel Mims is 6'3", 207. Both have, you know, sub 4'4", 40-yard times. I think they profile really similar to each other. And I'm not taking the average, you know, an average production from, you know, a vet. I'm taking that the Jets went out, signed him in free agency to be their wide receiver one. And Brashad Perryman, throughout his career, has gone through numerous struggles in his in his short four years in the NFL. He's been injured. He had to deal with something in terms of like his family that had his whole mind twisted. He kept him distracted, couldn't focus. I think uh I think Brashad Perryman is is a good uh, good pick this year. Fantasy. The last thing I'll say on the matter is that the Jets did not go out and sign him to be their wide receiver one because they gave him a one-year contract for $6 million guaranteed. Um, that, Joey, is a depth signing. That is a signing to make sure that you have some bodies out there. The investment of a second-round pick on Denzel Mims, I would say, is greater than a one-year $6 million contract in terms of an investment from the perspective of an NFL team. Agree or disagree? Yes, but Denzel Mims is not a elite talent. Ben, all right, we we we, we can we realizing. can move on. Denzel Mims is a top ten talent, in... <laughs> I can't. I, I won't say that, but he's a top twenty talent, or he could be. He he could be. I mean, he has the stuff that you look for in a wide receiver, right? He he has good size good speed but so does Perryman so how how much do they realistically differ in that Jets offense as much as Chris Godwin and Brashad Perryman differed last year that's how much mm. okay yeah player profiles are everything I guess CD Lamb is the next Jerry Rice I guess I mean that's also true but um do you have do you have anything else that you want to to say about these rankings for today's episode yes the last one that we could touch on real quick uh, you don't have them ranked, and nobody has them ranked. Like, why would you have this perceived scrub rank, right? Mm-hmm. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Now, hear me out. I'm only taking them 
with the last pick in a 20 round best ball draft. That that's that. I don't think he should be ranked. I think he is just a flyer that you should take a shot on. And honestly, he should be in the in the top 100 if you're going to do like 100 uh, wide receiver rankings. But MVS will be the Packers wide receiver too by the start of the season. No shot. Everybody's drafting Lazard in like the 15th round. You know, I've seen Funches start to get drafted in, in the 19th, 20th rounds of these drafts. MVS is more talented than both of them at this point in all of their careers. 6'4", Burner, ran a 4.37, has good hands, did have some chemistry with Rodgers until he got hurt in the game where Lazard kind of shined, which hurt his stock to end the season last year. And, you know, I think people just don't want to draft him because... He was getting drafted uh, relatively high last year as the Packers perceived wide receiver two. But I think the talent and the upside that he has as a 20th round pick puts him in a, in a, in a weird spot where I think he should be ranked. And I think people should start coming to the realization that he is the second best wide receiver on that team behind Devontae Adams. I mean, I think it's a lot more likely that he is the Packers wide receiver five than he is the Packers wide receiver too because as it stands currently that's how i view him i mean alan lazard clearly overtook him last year yes he did get injured at one point but he wasn't injured for the full season he could have come back if he was you know worthy of replacing lazard on the field which frankly rogers and and lafleur didn't view him that way then they signed devin funches for about the same contract that you think brashad perryman you know, automatically making him a wide receiver one for an NFL team. So Devin Funches clearly ahead of him as well on the depth chart. MVS wasn't even playing ahead of Jake Kumaro last year, Joey. Why would it be any different? I don't, I don't know. It, it seems like that is pure speculation. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's a terrible take considering you're talking about a 20th round pick, like in a 12 team league, that's packs pick 216. Like, okay. That's fine. Most of those picks are going to be misses anyways, but I would rather at least take Marquise Goodwin in that range, who I think could be as high as the wide receiver three for the Eagles. Tajay Sharp, who might be the wide receiver two, starting on the outside for the Vikings. You know, Tyrell Williams, like all these guys. Miles Boykin, who's going to be the wide receiver two for the Ravens, and he's not getting drafted. So I just think that there's better ways you can go with players who have more realistic chances to get on the field than MVS, who, you know, frankly is, you know, arguably talented, like you said, but, you know, Doriel Green Beckham was talented. Like we see guys who are talented all the time and, and it doesn't really translate to production. I think that that's what we're seeing here, especially considering the team appears to have lost all faith in him. Rodgers has not lost faith in him. I have a quote right here from the mouth of Aaron Rodgers himself from last month. Quote says, MVS is a guy who I have a ton of confidence in. I really feel like if he can continue to grow, he can really add to our football team. I look for him to make big strides. The coaches have said that they're expecting him to take a step forward this year and be a part of the team. I mean, he's a better player than Jake Kumaro. Um, even if he was playing over him last year, he he just had a bad year. We just have to accept that fact. He had a bad year last year. He got his job taken by some undrafted free agent scrub named Alan Lazard, who is not a good wide receiver. I don't care what anybody says. MVS is more talented than him. Devin Funches, come on, bro. We're talking about Devin Funches 
2020. What is this, 2014? Come on, bro. You might be right. Devin Funchess might actually be there to replace Jimmy Graham as the tight end. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't doubt that. But, you know, he, he had a good start to last season. And then that injury against the Lions uh, just kind of, you know, put him on a downward spiral. But I think the Packers have confidence in him this year to take the next step. They compared him to the likes of Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson taking a huge step in the third year, which he is going into uh, his third season. You know, with Aaron Rodgers' confidence, LaFleur's confidence um, that they've said over the last couple of months that they're expecting him to be a part of the team and you know, provide a spark to the wide receiver core of the Packers. I mean, I think that says a lot for me personally, so. Yeah, all right. I mean, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, the latest uh, article on Roto World, already 25 years old, MVS might not be guaranteed a spot on the 53-man roster. And I think that that is equally a possibility as him making the team, as him not making the team. But I hear where you're coming from. You know, I wouldn't argue necessarily that I think he is less talented than Lazard or or Kumaro. I just think that, you know, Rodgers can say these empty quotes to the media. But I mean, if Rodgers trusts you, you would have been back on the field uh, earlier with only guys like Lazard and Geronimo Allison and Jake Kumaro ahead of him. So I don't know. I prefer to see what teams are telling us through their actions opposed to their words because these teams and this coach speak is often just misdirection or just flat out lies. So I, I, I guess I just put a lot less into the stock of those quotes than you do. But I, th- I think we've talked about MVS enough for, for one podcast. Yeah, uh, I think that was a good episode. You know, I, I was even, you know, starting to notice. I feel like you and I were getting a little bit too lockstep in, in our takes. Like we've been agreeing a lot over these past few episodes. So it, it's good to get some some disagreement back on the show. Definitely needed. And yeah, that's really it for episode 77 of the podcast. We do appreciate everybody out there listening. Like Joey said at the top of the show, you can... Subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Podcast Addict, SoundCloud, and you can find all of our content in one centralized location at the DFSDose.com, our brand new website. My rankings will be posted by the time this episode goes up. So if you, like Joey, find some issues with the rankings, feel free to tweet me at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. You can also tweet Joey, maybe if you agree with some of the takes as well joey tell them where they can find you on twitter you can find me on twitter at joey carrion dfs and i think that's going to be it for us this week we look forward to talking to you guys soon and uh yeah sail to the money